Hey everyone, and welcome to an eventful life with Brad Cox and Shane Buzzer. I'm Brad. And I'm Shane. An eventful life is the podcast where we take you on a journey through eventful lives of inspirational event leaders from around the world. That's right, Brad. We'll be sharing their stories, impact, and insight into the complex world of events. So if you like these stories, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your mates. This is An Eventful Life. Buzz, how are you today, mate? I'm good, Brad. How are you doing? Yeah, all right, all right. What did you get up to on the weekend, mate? Uh, well, we had a couple of days extra, which was nice. Um, uh, very little, actually. Mm. It's all about what's about to come. And yeah. yourself? Uh, mate, I went to the footy and saw your team outdo oh, my yes. team again. So, yeah, I'm tail between my legs, but uh, my young fella actually played on the on the middle of the ground at halftime, so that was my little buzz for the day. Uh, well, my yeah, my team did. Well, they did okay. It was good. Oh, uh, yeah, they're going all right. So, mm. no worries. Hey, today's guest is all about uh, perseverance, entrepreneurship, dedication, passion, and production. Uh, Rosh Fernando started Wuha Productions when he was 16 years old uh, and for the last 21 years has uh, built his business to become one of the leading technical production companies servicing a wide range of the event industry and concert industry. He has innovated over time, spread the service offering, grown, changed and adapted to evolving industry uh, but has stayed true to his beliefs and core skills. His innovation and passion has seen him win countless awards, including Entrepreneurs Organisation Bravery and Business Award. His easygoing focus and dedication to his craft. It's a pleasure to welcome Arosh Fernando. Welcome, mate. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for having me on here. I am excited to share the journey, the crazy stories, and uh, yeah. Nice one. Now, did I get any of those stats wrong? Was 16, right? When, when did you kick it off in uh, in? S- 16, um, you know, people always ask when what Wuha actually is. Don't ever let a 16-year-old decide what your business name is going to be. Um, <laughs> even to this day, I'm like thinking, is that corporately correct? And now I've given up. I was going to say, it's, it's been long enough now, right? You just, yeah, just roll it's, with it. It's, it's actually a Busta Rhymes song. Ah, is that where it came from? That's where it came from. There you go. I love that. Right. So this, boy. Is, this is Wait, a, what year? Uh, it, so it wasn't. It was ago. just, okay. it was the year, um, I think we started the business in 2001 but realistically, the name came when Yahoo, Google, these one word kind of had a meaning, you know, kind of side to it. So I was like, "Wuha!" No one's going to know what that is, and we can do whatever we want. So I love that. That's so that's good. how it all started. And um, yeah, I was a Subway sandwich artist um, from the age of fourteen. Had three grand saved up, and I was a crazy kid who was actually meant to study aerospace engineering. Uh, my uh, great mom, my you know Sri Lankan mom, would. Uh, is very proud to see me go back to uni, which I haven't done yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I quit. Uh, well, sorry, I finished school, but I basically quit my job at Subway, had the three grand and here we are. It was meant to be a fun little DJ business yeah, back right. when it started. So was that the initial purpose? Was it production focused or was it literally, I'm just going to be a DJ and service my needs? How and, did, pa- how did it all play, and play Buster Rhyme songs. Yeah. <laughs> Sample it in. Um, no, it was it was my passion for music. Loved music from a very young age. Um, couldn't sing, couldn't dance. Um, Try to dance, but you know, no good at it. But um, join the club. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, yes, was like, well, how can I get involved in some way? And when I was about twelve years old, um, growing up through, I went, I was in a charismatic church. So you know, someone said, oh, do you want to learn what all these buttons are? And I was like, hell's yeah. <laughs> Which twelve year old kid who's going to get free lessons on what all these buttons can do, um, was going to say no to that. So that's how my actual knowledge started. So I had a very good mentor who was very hard on me 
um, every weekend I would learn stuff, you know, train my ear up from a very young age. And that's where my technical skills came into play. Yeah, right. Did you always want to start your own business when you were young or where did, where did that desire come from? Um, I am very entrepreneurial. I've, I've discovered as I've kind of got to know myself a bit more, my first business idea actually came when I was six years old <laughs> when I had a holographic ruler and I decided to kind of rather than showing it to people, I started charging money for the special time during the recess. <laughs> so, you're, so you're a hustler. That's yeah. what you I, were. I, I, I am the true hustler, um, <laughs> you know. So it was 50 cents and then I would use the proceeds at lunchtime to go and actually buy really good food at the canteen. Perfect. Um, so what a great six-year-old. So, you know, I'm trying to now kind of get my kids to, uh, you know, do the same, you know. Um, you but get yeah. along very well with my dad. He got kicked out of two schools for stealing uh, exam papers and selling them. So <laughs> well, I uh, almost got kicked uh, out for stealing other people's money. I'm yeah. like, no, it was a business <laughs> idea. They wanted to see my ruler, my magic me. ruler. There you go. Have you always been very innovative in your approach to business and Wuha's development, you know, including, you know, your recent investment, you know, both time, resource, uh, into the virtual software creation, the studio development, um, and how has Wuha developed over the years and uh, and have you gone about identifying where to innovate the business? I think when it comes to anything, doesn't matter what the type of business is, even if it's, you know, sending rockets to the moon, there's a human element, right, which is really important and sometimes people forget that. Like at the end of the day, our clients are humans. They've got a job that they've got to tick over. And innovation, like I remember when I mortgaged my whole house to put all my money um, about 10 years ago, so in 2013, and we went into this thing called LED screens. Yep. Right? Everyone was like, wow. wow. Um, you know, half a million dollar investment. I was, I think, 27 years old. Um, so very young and um, kind of take that. So my thing was always innovation. Always, even right now, I'm pushing the team to go, well, don't wait for another COVID. Innovate yourself. I'm reminded um, I'm part of a global entrepreneurship organization so I get to meet some great speakers and I'm reminded by Alan Joyce who's the CEO of Qantas and um, you know Alan came to Australia to disrupt the own business so there was I think there was three or five of them that were bought in and they kind of innovated what we now know as Jetstar and that was meant to be how can we take down Qantas but here's a group of us actually working within Qantas to actually build something against Qantas and that's what Jetstar was which kind of helped them survive global you know uh, the uh, not the pandemic but the um, the financial crisis about 10 years yep. ago when they had all the strikes and things like that so innovation has to be every day and I think you've got to keep innovating and keep pushing yourself because if you're not somebody else will well, delayed flights is one thing that part of the innovation process. Some of our <laughs> listeners might say, but uh, anyway, I'll let you have that one. Yeah. <laughs> or, or the seven hundred dollar Sydney to Melbourne fare. Oh yeah, don't talk about it. Just book one of those for next week. Um, how has how have you innovated over the, over your journey? And you know, okay, you started as a little DJ pushing a few buttons and stuff, but to where you are now, what are some of the sort of milestone steps you have taken over that time to continually innovate? Learning for me is really important. So surrounding myself with people that inspire me i always like to be in a room where i'm kind of like the dumbest person and i just like to absorb so for me that's really important and that's what um the entrepreneurs organization gives me because as i mentioned to you i never went to university to study anything in technical um i studied entrepreneurship i think for 12 months and i part completed it and as a 
good entrepreneur would do. They just drop out because they think they know better. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And that's uh, that's who I was. So, um, again, I met some great people there that I still keep in touch with, some great mentors, um, like Janine Alice was one of them who came and gave her time to be able to get some free time from all the students. Um, so, yeah, innovation for me right now for myself is learning. It's reading. It's what other people are doing. I love to travel around the world. I think, you know, in this small corner of the world that we call Australia uh, or APAC region. Um, we are so small compared to the US and what's happening in Europe and things like that. So going to other places, talking to other people just gives you so much more, almost energy for me to be able to go, how can we push what's happening elsewhere? Um, and, and Arash, have some of these mentors of yours, I guess, you know, who you obviously have generated solid trust with, have any of them ever given you advice that you were a bit weary of or maybe didn't necessarily disagree with it but have gone ahead with it anyway because you trust that person and it's proven to be you know, a, a good call in the end um weirdly enough one of the first things you learn uh, when you're part of this organization is never to give advice right oh. but to actually share experiences right right the two differences are basically when you give advice i'm telling you what to do versus when i talk about what i what's happened to me how i've either overcome it my emotional experiences then i'm giving you the power to choose and, and share that with yourself or, you know, take it on or not to. So that then the power becomes yours. So you, as um, so we, we've learned that um, as, a, as one of the key traits. So we're never allowed to say, hey, Brad, or, you know, hey, Shane, you should be doing this, you know, because you might be like, well, what the hell would you know about my freaking business yeah. or my mm. career or my events? Because the whole point is there's no events people within my inner group of eight people that I hang out with once a month um, at all. Right. So they're all in different fields. Yep. But we all have, if you think about business and if you think about the companies we all run, we all have the same challenges, the mm. same problems, um, et cetera. What's one story that someone has shared with you mm -hmm. that you've been able to apply to, to yourself and to your business through that? Um, well, you know, lots, I guess. Of, uh, one thing was they were probably my saving grace. They were my inner family. I, I call them my business family. Um, when COVID happened and when all of us were kind of like, what the hell do we do? Um, I had, you know, eight people that I could share experiences with and they were just like, well, here, here's a list of things you've got to start with, you know, do this, do that, do this, you know. And that enabled me to kind of go, okay, cool. I have actually have a start point and that's really important, right? Um, were they similar starting points out of interest in terms of, you know, from different fields and different industries, did you find yourselves, okay, we're all in the same situation, but was everyone focused and thinking about it in a similar way or was it very different? No, it, it, it was really weird for them looking at someone who was in events and we, I knew the wave was coming from about February because mm. I kind of predicted it. Um, and they were like, what, what do you mean? Like, I'm like, this is what I'm seeing, guys, you know. And for them, it was almost seeing me and what was happening within our industry almost as an eye-opener for them because they were so much later down the track, right? Yeah. So, um, but there are so many other experiences, whether that's, you know, not just business but also personal stuff where I'm able to be like, well, you know, I'm feeling lonely at the top, right, which is a real thing yep. for a lot of owners and, and, you know, I guess even people who are running smaller agencies and things like that. Yeah, totally. So you, I mean, Wuha sort of developed again over the time and stuff from those DJs. How would you describe what you guys do now, day to day? What 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 is Wuha Productions? What what does it evolve to look like as of today? We are a we try to be a leading um, event technology business. Mm -hmm. That's what we are. 
Um, and that doesn't just mean that we hire out equipment. You know, a lot of people go, oh, you're just another AV company. But we've got, we're trying to spread our wings wider than what we have in a traditional AV business sense. I've got, you know, coders and developers now because of COVID. Um, you know, we build the platforms and things like that. We did a lot of um, programming and we're even now still building a lot of software microsites and things like that. Um, weirdly enough, like, you know, COVID's finished, everyone's back to face to face and everything like that. But we are busy. The, the guys who do the software developing side is still busier than ever. Can you tell us something that you are working on that might haven't, you know, hasn't yet been released or you're close to? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's about giving us, um, I guess for events, it's always been, we find that different people or different agencies doing different things, especially when the time comes towards that end, you know, pinnacle, <laughs> you know, opening time or opening date or, you know, event date. That's the hardest, right? So waiting for somebody to make a small edit um, on a you know on the graphics package that might take them another 24 hours if we can do it in in-house we can have that through our service system at the you know into the computer that's going to about to play it you know so little things like that so what are some of the things that we're working on we have built our software that we've kind of had during COVID for virtual events into a ticketing platform so we help companies you know with ticketing um, so you can register your event register your guest on there, you come QR code, then they're able to pitch, uh, print their badge out um, at the event and that's one of the services that they want. I've learned very quickly there are certain things you don't want to do. Yeah. That's called money and ticketing money. <laughs> <laughs> um, tried it during COVID and I was like, oh, no, hell not no. Really? Not really? Oh, you do not – the amount of legal – paperwork you've got to go through to hold that kind of money because you right. become a trust account and mm -hmm. that has to be then audited and you know etc so what we now do is tell our clients you can have a ticketing like we can build the ticketing side to it yep. you handle the money by using mm -hmm. your own stripe account and things like that we take away that pain point for us yep interesting so and it's a, it's a fascinating topic because we've seen many technical production companies try to expand their service offerings into creative services in particular content developers um you know even design some of them going to be going to producing and event management and, and those kind of areas uh, i believe a number of these companies have not really understood what they're offering and and haven't resourced them accordingly uh, and the skills haven't really worked and it hasn't interwoven well with their technical production elements. You know, they've tried to be a technical company and then turn into a one-stop shop for events where, rather than sticking to their true lane. I would say you're different and I'm interested to know, you know, why you think you, you've been successful in that area and are a bit of an exception to that rule. How have you made, you know, Wuha such a leader in the creative space and the content space and this software space and being able to master that um, when so many others uh, haven't and failed in that, in that process. One of my biggest mottos that I keep true to myself is called fail fast, mm -hmm. right? Failing fast for me means try something. If it doesn't work, shut it down, move on, right? So, uh, you know, if I take the COVID story for us, which, you know, everyone <laughs> was like, whoa, look at these guys, they're so successful. But the reality was there was probably four or five things that we did well at, right? But there was about 10 to 12 things that we failed at, right? But we failed fast. So the, you just you know, nipped we, him in the bud quick and said, all it was right, like, it didn't cool, work. Yeah. It didn't work. It's okay. Loss. I'm so sorry. You know, um, let's move on. You Can know? you give us an example of one of well, those? Well, I think I was explaining about the ticketing thing, right? Yep. We, 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 we didn't want to handle money. It was too legally challenging. 
um, we had to go into a different sphere. We weren't ticket tech. We weren't, you know, any of those kind of big juggernauts and we weren't ever going to be that. And that was, you got to kind of stick to your core as well. Like I always say, what's your purpose, right? Why are you actually trying to take on, if you're going to go, um, you know, sideways or rather than vertical, why are you actually doing that? What's your real purpose? Is it just to grab more of the money bag, you know, that the client you know has? Mm-hmm. Or is it actually genuinely to serve a real purpose? And I think finding uh, someone who can own it, meaning that's passionate about it. So we had um, someone by the name of Antonio Cafaso who joined our business. Now he comes from a creative broadcast. So content creation and broadcast was his background. And I brought him into the business because I wanted to be able to tell the story on camera during COVID time because everything was through a lens rather than mm, what you see course. in person yep. on a stage. Um, and then what we what he bought a skill set was he was so passionate about good creative content. Like people would be like, here's a PowerPoint. He's like, let's not have a PowerPoint. <laughs> or let's make the PowerPoint into a way that it doesn't just feel like another PowerPoint, you know. Um, and little things like that. So you've got to have – you know, I always say to people, don't just do something for the sake of money. So that that example you gave, um, m- one of my main mantras and ethos is as a business owner and being in the events industry is the guest experience. And I know that yep. that's shared by a lot of people yep. in the industry. Yep. That example you just gave, I was I was listening to that thinking, that's what it is. It's, it's It comes back to the guest experience. So that the, the digital, I guess, angle that you were coming at, yep. how did that need to be fluffed up you know what i mean how did it need to be um uh, produced in a way that maintained that guest experience because let's be honest how bloody hard was it to keep people's attention and and recreate that guest experience so what did you guys do that to try and do your best in that well you are 100 percent right there shane and it was a guest experience and a speaker experience during virtual right so someone was in a studio someone was working off their laptop so that's what i call the speaker experience you know how did they look on on the screen and then the guest experience was all the platforms that you know ours was one there was you know at least a half a dozen or a dozen out there that people have used we you know we've all gotten used to zoom calls and things like that right so those two were very different and we had i learned very quickly i think by june of that year <laughs> of 2020 that those were two different experiences and you got a and small window you've only got a small window oh, to, things yeah. were changing weekly yeah, yeah right and i always say be nimble um you know we're in a very fast moving environment especially in events you want to be the next cool thing but you've got to be able to be nimble to move around even now right like the environment's changing everyone's talking about doom and gloom um you know we're not seeing it just yet but eventually that might come so you've got to be nimble to be able to go well where do we actually value add Mm. so the virtual platform that you guys built through that time in particular you just mentioned, you know, there's half a dozen, potentially more that are already in the marketplace. Why go and invest and build your own rather than necessarily license one that's in, that's already exists, that works well, that's potentially similar to even where you ended up with? We had a lot of clients, high-end clients, that were wanting more custom creation. They wanted a white label, mm-hmm. right? And they were like, this is our brand. This is how we want our brand to look. So when we want it to look like that, we wanted to say our brand name and our look and feel. We don't want anyone's name on yep. it. Everybody else's, you knew it was somebody else's. Yep. So I knew there was a very niche market. Um, it was a hard market because what you what I didn't want to do was do 300 events in a week because we just didn't have the staff, resources, 
you know, even internet power at one yeah, stage. Maybe interest even, let's be honest, you know, to actually take that on. I mean, now the, the term virtual event makes me yawn immediately. So, you know, keeping that interest level. And I saw the trends very quickly. Like as soon as we came out of lockdown, it yeah. was face-to-face, go face-to-face. Yeah. And if you go back to the humanness of all this, which is what we're doing, like events is connecting humans, right? I knew always that the virtual world was never going to stick because we want to interact, mm. right? We don't come and say, oh, let's meet up on Zoom because that's great and have a drink over Zoom. You want to say, let's catch up. Let's go to the pub. Let's have a drink together or go to the totally. footy. You know? yeah. So where do you see the relevance of the virtual software in the industry moving forward? And, and do you think it has a lifespan of relevance even now? I think, I think it does. I think it, it gives that flexibility. Um, people have talked about working from home and things like that. And, you know, um, most companies are kind of as much as we want to be face-to-face and that gets productivity up, the amount of time with travelling and things like that have increased when you kind of have to go back. So I think with a lot of the events that we are doing, we have seen, especially conferences, there is a virtual component yeah. in there, right? It's roughly about 15 to 20% of yep. the market. Um, that I would have thought more. Um, we, we have seen, again, we've seen a decline in that. We, we might see it pick back up, um, but, you know, people want to get out. <laughs> they do want to travel. Sorry, they, I, I thought the percentage of, of virtual events now would have been predominantly conferences. Or is that what you're saying? Oh, sorry, yes. Sorry, in, in a conference, you'll, you'll have about 20% of people buying virtual sorry, tickets. Sorry, apologies. Yeah. No, 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 it's all yeah. good. Which is interesting in its own right. I mean, I always see it as you've got those that attend the the live event, the, that face-to-face, the human interaction yep. uh, and so forth, which I think is still a primary thing because you Huge. do. You want to have a beer and you want to have a hug. And a because remember, networking handshake. is part of the event Correct. experience, mm. yep. right? But on the flip side, you've got – there is an element of people that can't attend the event. So I think the, the power in that virtual platform comes in the fact that you can provide the content and in some ways a bit of a teaser campaign to say, hey, here's a bit of content for you but you missed out on the face-to-face stuff, but to give you a bit of an idea of what it was like and, they, and you know, it's the old FOMO, I fear of missing out. So yep. it's like, oh, so next year, use it as a tool to be able to promote the event to then get to that virtual audience and say, you really should be here because um, you had a bit of a taste of it, but look at what else we did when you weren't here. So, um, and, and it can be used in that way as a, as a marketing tool as well. Absolutely, and it's grabbing 20% of that market, right? Otherwise yeah, that would have missed out because yeah. they're going, well, I have a meeting or I have this, I can't attend, et cetera. So absolutely. So as a production company, Mm -hmm. what are some of the misunderstood factors that you see working with say producers and event managers and event planners in what you do day to day and how they can improve their production values of their events when working with you? I'm going to listen to this answer very closely. I'm I'm taking notes here. Um, We are not superhuman. (laughs) We can't just make magic happen. You know, we work within the... laws of physics (laughs) you know oh we don't want to see a speaker okay do you want audio oh of course like yeah there's microphones okay we need to have a speaker because you know yeah um so little things like that um time frames because there are things that need to happen on our end especially now we're finding the engineering and the safety compliance such a huge big deal um you know um i was just today i was like someone wanted engineering done on a drape (laughs) 
Yeah, <laughs> but like, it depends where it is, like where it's actually being put up or... Correct, yeah. correct. But, you know, so... Sorry, the nerd in me is really going to come out here. No, no, yeah. please bring it out, bring it out. <laughs> um, but so it, it's everything takes time and, you know, it's some things aren't as easy as just, oh, we want to make that happen. Um, some and, and that's what we try and do now with a lot of our, um, I guess, production managers is to get them to kind of work through an idea to make sure that we can bring the idea to life. But it's also realistic, right? Um, and financially um, sustainable as well because you talk about engineer elements to, to an event. Now, I'm educating my clients around the engineer requirements of an outdoor event, which I'm sure you're probably doing even more so because you're producing and delivering these documents am i right yeah absolutely um you know wind safety you oh, know things yeah. flying off yeah you know uh, we were part of a show a couple of weeks ago where you know it had to be called off um, because of you know very high winds and that's just part of life mm. you know because what you don't want is end up on the news headlines as the event that yeah. took out you know <laughs> the bad happened you know yeah, at so yeah safety is a huge factor and things are getting bigger and bigger mm. um and really cool, but yeah. And a lot of your your work is, I mean, you've got, you've got two different fields in some ways. You've kind of got the pure event work and then you've kind of got your concert work as well and, and that music stuff. Is there a big difference you see in the services you provide between the two and the way that the two somewhat industries, if you were to separate them, I think they're somewhat joined as well, but if you were to separate them, the way they operate? Yes. Um, this is probably this is something I really wanted to discuss because in, in the business I try to kind of do 50-50. So it's 50% to the music festivals and things like that and then the other 50% is corporate conferences to expos and exhibitions. Um, they're two different hats. One is all about system process getting get out as fast as you can. The other is all about make sure the little detail is perfect. Yeah. Right? And that's the biggest difference. So, yes, the gear can be shared, but the process is so different. You know that there's an educational facility that actually teaches events in those two sectors. So, it's divided and students are given the opportunity to wow. learn one or the other. So, that is becoming a, a, a tangible outcome, if you will, as yeah. far as the skill sets. Yeah. yeah. And, and we just find that, you know, people either gravitate to one or the other, um, but we've found the people that I guess a lot of the techs that work with us, they actually like the variety. Mm. One of the biggest things is like, like, wow, it's so weird. We're doing a concert over there and then we're at a corporate event and we're doing an exhibition. Um, but, you know, getting those right takes that skill set. So for us, we have to tune in each little corner um, very carefully as well because you want to get that right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you, you've grown over time, um, recently opening in Sydney as well. Yeah. You've also had a number of long-standing and loyal staff. You know, you talk about your team and, and those staff members. As a business owner in an evolving industry and an employer of younger generations such as all these Gen Z coming through now, how do you go about building a successful team and ensure that they are balanced in, in their, the work they're doing, the projects they're involved in uh, and keep them motivated day-to-day? -day? Is it that variety? Do you have some other tools and things that you go about you know, as a leader? Culture is so big. Mm. So big. And what does culture mean to you? Sorry to jump in. But what, yeah, what does culture mean to you? So culture is everything I, as an owner, I always say culture is like a pyramid, right? What happens at the top cascades down. I have to live and breathe the words I say. So if I say I actually, you know, a lot of companies have their, you know, purpose and, you know, mission values beautifully plastered on a, on a, on a poster. But I think it's about living it every day, mm. you know, 
if if you say you care about your staff, then it's about having the flexible, you know, some we have parents in our business, we have, you know, non-married people. So, you know, they all need different, you know, one person wants a holiday, the other person needs time with their kids, you know, and you've got to actually live it and breathe it. Mm. And remember, we are all human. We are all human. So we have to treat everyone else um, like humans. And I would say... Is that you your know, job now, effectively, just to manage those relationships and, and keep that the culture that you refer to? I'm very lucky that we have someone amazing, um, Kylie Blake, who runs our HR side of the business. She's a general manager and she looks after a lot of that culture. Culture starts with me, you know, because I know if I drop the ball on one side, I see it cascading through the business as well. What's important to me will become what's important to them. You know, and I see there's a, um, you know, there's a company out there that, you know, they're all about perfection and the gear is perfect. And I, and I love it because that comes from the top. That's a mission that was, in, you know, instilled. So, you know, and it doesn't matter what, you know, we're technical, but in any facet of the events industry, um, I think the culture starts at the top. And if you have um, toxic culture, so if you've got someone just yelling at you and th- they're very much like your alpha typical, you know, go, we just yell at people. People are going to take that on and, you know, move away if they don't like it because if that's not who they are. Um, And I think that's a generation that we are now uh, with is they actually care about those little things, you know, rather than just saying I've got a wage or a job. And it is a very different approach now. I mean, at the end of the day we're in a people build, people industry, service-based industry, like like you touched on before, you know, it's – Everyone's got the equipment, you know, and it doesn't – it's the people that make the difference um, in terms of the differentiator and the choice that the other – the client might make as to, okay, why am I going with Wuha? Well, they're great people. They've got a great culture. You know, their service mentality and the way they go about it is different than, say, a competitor. So that's why I'm going over there because I can get the same lighting fixtures. I can get the same stage equipment and stuff, but it's about having that relationship side of it as well. Um, one of the fascinating things I think – at the moment particularly around, you know, Gen Z and that leadership and HR piece is very much around the fact that it's not just coming to a job anymore. It's, mm. it's not nine to five. You are you, – you're a mentor to them. Um, yep. You're a personal confidant. Um, you've got to deal with, you know, and it came through COVID as well, you know, in terms of dealing with personal issues and mm. the workplace and what that looks like today. Um, have you seen a lot of that start to evolve in, in your recruitment side of th- Things with that new generation coming going, hey, you know, I need to be the counsellor here, I need to be the support network here, I need to be the family member, the friend, the yep. person who has a drink. And is, how do you approach that at a business level in your recruitment? Um, one of my biggest mottos for the business is we're just a bunch of passionate people doing what we love. And I live and breathe that because I say everyone at Wuha is handpicked to be there. No one just got a job because they were the only candidate. They were actually handpicked. So... That, that piece is really important to me. Um, how do we live it? Well, basically, it's just about being human. It's about being able to laugh. It's being able to joke. It's being able to go out for a beer on a Friday, you know, or have a, a day where a, a tasty truck or something might come, or a food truck, sorry, might come and, and just, you know, and we have a bit of a get-together. You know, you don't – I always say celebrate the wins. Yep. Right? We're in an industry that we're always running, Right. Next gig, next gig, next gig, go, 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 go. Celebrate the win. So like during Easter time, you know, work got a bit quiet. Let's let's go. Like let's have a lunch. No reason. We're just going to celebrate, right? 
because that's what life is about, right? And sometimes even as human, take away the industry that we're in, but as humans we forget to celebrate. Totally. Right? 100%. Because we're, we're always on the go, always trying to work out what the next thing that we've got to tick off. Totally. And I think you come back to the point of, you know, the way that we've come out of COVID and everyone sort of rush, 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 short lead times and it's gig by gig showing you're a testament to this in terms of what you're oh, doing day to day. You can see like, me nodding at everything yeah, you're saying. Like, how how do <laughs> yeah. we sit down? How do we celebrate the events? How do we actually, you know, dedicate the time in the calendars at a company level to go, guys, we do need to stop. We've got to get together. We've got, we've got to have that beer and the handshake just like we're expecting our clients to do at their conferences but do it internally as well to build this culture and nurture our talent um, you know, help them, support them, provide them the leadership and the growth and, and those really important factors um, that I, that you're certainly a leader in the field of. And one of the biggest things I find is you've got to share your vision, right? I call myself the bus driver, mm-hmm. right? You've got to share the vision with your team because if you, they don't know where they're going, right? How, they, do you, how do you do that? You know, because that, I mean, sorry, but that can be deemed as a bit of a wanky expression, but yep. what does it actually mean? Share your, your vision. What, what, what does that mean to you? I think at, you know, the size of the business that we are at the moment, you've got different levels, right? So you've got senior management, you've got the mid-tier um, techs and everything like that to the, you know, the amazing stuff. We do all the warehouse work, which, you know, none of the events would happen if it wasn't for those guys. So it's about kind of sharing that vision for that particular group, right? It's, hey, we know that, we know things aren't perfect right now. We know this place is small or trucks can't get in and out. So my vision in the next three years is that we have something that's triple the size. Love it. You know, yeah. um, at a senior leadership level, telling people, I see you going here. Where do you see yourself? Having those honest conversation at a, in a very informal way to make sure that you're f- actually following through. You know, promises have to be made but also follow through because otherwise you just become one of those people that say that you're going to sue That is such a good answer and I'm sorry I use the term wanky term but no. but but it can be but yep. the, the way you answered that uh was was phenomenal and i can you know i've only just met you today but i can already see that you would build such a fantastic team underneath you by sharing those those visions of like tangible visions of okay yep. we, we want a bigger space you deserve to be at a higher level here within this company that helps and that will motivate everyone and people are okay if you don't give them you know people want everything right like I want this, I want that. Like if I look at my, you know, we want the bigger car, the bigger house, sorry, the, you know, faster car, blah, blah, blah. But you've got to show them the vision and the path and they'll buy into that. Mm. If you don't have buy-in, that's when you're going to have people who are going to be, you know, not satisfied with their job. They're just coming for day-to-day, paycheck to paycheck. And, and, you know, they're gone because somebody else offered them more money. You know, we don't, we don't have the highest, we don't just lure people in with money. And for me, money is a byproduct of a good product or a yeah. service. Yeah. And it's belief in that vision. I think that's the critical point that you start, you know, everyone can have a vision. It's like, and every company sets out and they go, I've got a vision, I've got a vision. Yeah. But if you don't have everybody that's on that train or on that bus to your point, believing in that vision together, it will fall over. Yeah. I have a great story about that. We were doing one Republic, uh, about a month ago, right? It was a Melbourne show on Friday, Sydney show on Saturday, overnight truck drive, two hours out of Sydney, truck broke down had an accident right driver was okay but the truck was not able to be driven we had everyone and i in fact had one of our subcontractors call me up and and i thought he was about to yell at me and he's like oh my freaking gosh i'm like i'm so sorry i just started apologizing i'm like so sorry he goes no you should be so freaking proud i said for what 
for the truck breaking down. And he's like, no, I've never seen a team come together, unite. He goes, some guy who was meant to be at the pub ended up at the gig to bump in when the truck came at four o'clock. And, you know, he goes, we had to get the doors ready by six. The truck arrived, I think, at 4.30. And he goes, within 45 minutes, I had an army of people waiting to help to do whatever we could to get the show up and going. Wow. Right? And the punters who came had no idea what had happened, you know, two hours out. So we had to send a truck, hire another budget truck, send it out two hours drive, have three or four people in the middle of New South Wales. You know, unload one un- truck. Unload to load ways. And then everyone, I just said, let's just do what we can, what's controllable, what's not controllable and do it. And everyone just said, yes, we're happy to help. This is on a Saturday afternoon, you know. So that's the kind of thing that you know you've got a strong culture because people are happy to give, um, but you've got to also give back, you know, um, that's important. Wow, congrats, mate. That's that's awesome. Look, I could talk about this stuff for ages because yeah. I love it. Um, but let's get back to the technical production side of things a little bit. Uh, if you were to describe the key steps in the development and delivery, you know, of, of a project from a technical standpoint, you know, I'm thinking about all our producers and event managers that, that listen to this. How would you suggest a project be approached at a technical level, you know, in time frames, considerations, stakeholders, key elements. What do you look for in terms of the way you structure your work? And just can I add to that, it's yeah. it's an area that pe- so many people just don't have any idea what it entails and how to read a, a brief or a quote or whatever it may be. So, yeah, go back to the answer. And for us, the biggest challenge is when we don't get information. People yeah. are like, I want this. It's like, cool, tell me more about this that you want. You know, the more information you can give us and, and sorry, so we get hardly any information and it's like, I want to quote. It's like, cool, I'll make it a million dollars. And they're like, what? What? Well, no, I didn't want a million dollars. It's I'm like, but I don't have the information. Give me information. Give me your ideas. Give me your, you know, the, the, the wall of pictures that you know was your inspiration to get to this. Like, give me more details. The more details you can give a technical company, the more they can hone in on that quote. Do you not try to work with the client sometimes? And I say this as someone who unfortunately is the person calling going, shit, I'm sorry, I don't have time, but here's what I want. Can you figure it out? Maybe say, do you try to work with the client to maybe help them create that vision? Or? We, we love to create. Yeah. One of my biggest things is rather than just being a cookie cutter, you know, we gave that piece of equipment is to actually create design. Mm. Like I'm pushing my team. We're starting up something called Wuha Labs at the moment where we're trying to innovate, you know, cool things that we just don't get the time for because we're so busy, right? Um, but that creation, the design um, is so important, but you've got to invest the time in it, right? And and it's a collaborative. It's not just my ideas. Yeah. took the word straight yeah. out of my mouth on collaboration there. I think that's <laughs> the number one thing there. And to your point here, it's – collaboration is what it's all about. So you go back to those clients, right, and the people providing the brief, it's like we've got to lose this mentality, I think, of like I'm going to hold the information and not share it. Like we're yeah. all in it together. Yeah. It's it's a team approach, you know, to what you do in your business, to expanding that team and that culture that you guys work in day to day out to your clients and to your third-party suppliers and your contractors and, and so on as it goes. And what we're able to do, let's just say, you know, you have an idea, Shane, right? You're like, look, I've got it couple of Instagram pictures and I found this on Google, you know, bring that together and what we can do is elevate that idea, mm. right? And we can give you the realistic, hey, in the venue that you're in here in Melbourne or you're in Sydney or wherever you are in the country, you can't do that part but you can do it this way, right? Or 
we've got to take that idea out, which is being realistic and without wasting any time. Because, and budget as well. And budget, yeah. yeah. Hey, guys, just letting you know, that's Eurovision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is uh, not possible. <laughs> I know it looks amazing. Yeah, or like it's when not going to work for the staff office room, like, or whatever. Oh, when the Olympics <laughs> is on, you know, the amount of, like, you know, Olympics, Commonwealth Games, we get, like, you know, snippets from the opening ceremony. I'm like, guys, would love to, but, like, that's a, you know, 10... $20 million budget. <laughs> yeah, and 18 months worth of work to get it. So not in a bad way. I mean, we all love those projects no, if you course. can get them, but it's just uh, it's the But it's about, ele- it's, for me, the elevation is getting that concept from there to tweaking it to what's real to you, what's real yep. to your client and what's real to your venue and budget. And do, and do you see that as one of the main value values that you bring as a company, um, you know, of a technical production company, I mean? Yeah, what we love to do, especially with our corporate side, and that's, um, uh, you know, coming out of COVID, what we were able to do. And I always say I would rather lose a client or lose a job being truthful Mm. than just to take it on. Promise something you can't deliver. Correct. Yeah. Like, you know, hey, I don't think that idea is going to work. I don't, I think, or share my experiences. Hey, I know you really want this idea, but my experience share is, you know, spending that much of money on that little component which is only for five minutes when we can put that to somewhere else and it's not about fire hosing ideas either it's it's about adjusting the idea to be reasonable that's relevant um and affordable or whatever the parameters you've been put in place for that event yeah remember we're coming as a subject matter expert Mm. we're doing this for you know every day every week you know i think for us it's we're doing average of 10 to 12 shows a week at the moment yeah. Right. So it's all about those. What are the lessons we've learned? So you don't have to make it. Yeah. And so if you're an event planner or producer and they've come to you and they've given you a good brief and you've gone through that collaboration process, what's next involved in the in the steps from you guys at your level? It's about tweaking, quoting, quoting. You know, quoting. The more details you can give, the the tighter that quote will become. Um, the more real that is. And time frames as time. well. Is that? Yeah, right? time frames are. You know. I think COVID taught us something really bad, which is like, oh, everything can be done like <laughs> oh, this, you know. It's not a this. click finger, <laughs> you yeah. know. Because we were so used to going in and out of lockdowns, um, people just became okay with, oh, I'm having an event next week. Yeah. It's like, cool. So if you – let's take a scenario. But say someone mm-hmm. comes to a conference, corporate conference yep. over a couple of days yep. um, in a ballroom, for example, there's a 1,000 people attending – in your perfect world, what would be the time frame from brief to quote to then delivery of production? If you could pick a number and a, and a time frame that works for you guys. If it's something that we're starting from scratch where we're trying to put ideas together, yep. you're probably talking about a month of massaging out what they want, what's real, what's feasible in the budget for the venue, etc. Um, then quoting is should be done at the same time roughly um, and then it's about actually – blocking out what does that look like what does your run sheet look like you know um which is so we just finished a a huge conference um for uh uh, called sports next um it was partnering with the victorian state government visit victoria and that was a three-month lead time so we started around um early january when we got briefed on it and then you know from the time it started and pretty much the month leading up was all about the event work massaging out you know Content pieces, run sheets, and all that. Look very cool, by the way. Well done. Thank you. See that. Um, where do you see the value of technical production going in the future, and and the role that is that it will play in the industry? Well, we're part of the storytelling, right? 
and visual is becoming more yeah. and so more. it's all visual yeah. and and how, all, how has it looked upon look it's again i use the word wanky a bit but how it look on people's socials as well because that oh. is going to be the main forum that people will see this i invested in a led panel um about a year or two ago and it was the most expensive led panel because it's what they used in what they call virtual production filming so mm-hmm. your a lot of the movies are now shot against led screen so People didn't know the technical term, but there's a lot of stuff in the background, you know, inside the panel that's electronics that were cool. So I just called it the Instagram screen. We have the Instagram <laughs> screen because it actually looks good on a mobile phone camera. Yeah, right. Right. And that's, that's what important. people care about. Yeah. Right? Because if you look at brand activations, if you look at, you know, um, you know, at the F1 was a perfect example where people just want to see their brand up. They want you to then tell your mm-hmm. people, your audience, your friends and family, that you were there. So that's that's important. But that storytelling with visual is becoming more and more important. I think we are going to see more and more of that. Which is very much in the lines of that whole producer style role in particular. Do you see yourselves shifting into that world to do more storytelling and emotional experience and 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 those sort of skill sets in some ways within the technical production elements? At the moment, we love to work with event agencies, you know, producers who are actually thinking about these ideas, mm. who are also then guiding a client yeah. in a certain direction, right? I think for us, our purpose is to be able to work with the agency, with the producer, to actually bring an idea to life. At the brief time, really. Oh, like, there's or, so much yeah. time invested. So much of time invested. And I don't, you know, and I, one of the biggest things is I don't think people value that, especially the end clients don't value what event producers, agencies put in. To, you know, sometimes, yes, they, you know, click a thing on Google and, you know, they get a picture and they're like, oh, recreate this. It's like, okay, cool. But there are others who actually go out of their way to actually come up with really cool concepts. And for us, it's about bringing that concept and the reality to life, you know, and, the cool thing with us is because we've got the, um, you know, Wuha Creative now, which is a content side, we've got the coders with the development side um, and a technical army of amazing people, we can actually bring cool stuff into life that requires all those elements. Um, and that's where I want to move into rather than just saying, cool, we can give you, you know, 17 speakers. Yeah. So is that is that what's next for, for Wuha, you and Wuha? That's that's where I want to take the business to, um, be unique in terms of being able to offer something that's so unique that you know it's not ju- we're not just another AV company. Um, that's where we want to go to. And where do you see yourself in the future, in, in whether it's in Wuha or in your own personal <laughs> life? But what's what's the overall vision for for Rosh? That's a very good question. Also, sorry to butt in, but yeah. you know we talked about you've been in business for twenty one years. You're still a young man. Yeah. So that that question that Brad just asked has so much Small relevance. Small in stature, big in presence. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. What I lack in height, I make up with my personality. <laughs> um, look, I'm thirty seven years old. I still have the burning desire that I had when I was sixteen. I love to create. Wow. Right, you still got um, the ruler. Is that still <laughs> still sells it? My Simpson <laughs> holographic ruler is retired. Um, look, I, I, I look. We uh, we're growing. We've grown three hundred percent in the last eighteen months, which is wow. crazy. I'm actually trying to pull the reins back a bit because we have to get the systems and the processes right. 
right? It's not just about the money side of it. I always say if you do a good product or a good service, people will come to you yep. and money is really the byproduct of all that. that. Um, for me, it's, it's about we don't even have a long vision as such because I always think that, you know, having a 10-year goal, it's like, well, you know, unless it's crazy big, for me it's about seeing where the world's going, see where we want to go and how we can be different because when you become different, that's when you can really kind of have a market share and be able to innovate and think. And that's where I get still ex- excites me. And do, do you look at your, your team and your staff to, to help with that draw, you know, to, to help elevate your, um, your brand with this vision of yours that you have? Do you look at them to really be a part of that? Oh, absolutely. And that's why what I mentioned before about being able to, you know, tell about your vision and get them to buy in is so important. Right, And I think going back to the event producers and agencies and other people who are part of this ecosystem, like, you know, whether it be a business or even down to an event, sell your vision. What do you want the end product to look like? How do you see it? What's the feeling that, you know, the the guest who's seated at that chair in row 15, what are they going to experience? Right? Mm. And if we can sell that and get everyone just to buy in rather than, you know, I know when we go to a hotel these days, it's almost kind of like, oh, yep, you're the lunch show today, tick. Yep, I've been here for 18 hours. I want to go home. I'm just too tired. There's no passion, right? We've just got to give a little bit more passion because we are doing and the industry that we're in is because we are so passionate about it. I love that. And for any event or budding event producer listening to this, what you just referred to, Arash, around what is that person in that seat there experiencing sometimes gets lost totally, and that is amazing inside. You've got to put yourself in the audience seat and in the audience shoes. And I've always gone back to no matter who you are or what level you're involved in, if you can put yourself in the audience shoes and think about the event from their their level and every one of them is different, then create your event that way. Don't look at it from your own vision. Go back the opposite Mm. way. Put yourself in their shoes first. Think about their experience from start to finish and then craft accordingly. And that's why time is so important because – but just trying to rush and do things on the quick because someone have to because they have to or because you got ten live auction mm. items or whatever. Yeah, correct. So think about it. You know, in that pre-production stage or you know a month leading up to it, think about all those little elements that's going to create that experience. You talk about passion, mm. which I think is a really important piece because you know there's a lot in this industry. You know, mental health a big thing, burnout's a big thing. Yeah. We've obviously gone through a pretty rough period in the past from shutdown, a lot of people losing jobs and incomes and so forth. Mm-hmm. How do you see us rebuilding passion and, and crafting passion back into the way we go about our work? You, were you going to say no, something, No, I was Shane? just more impressed with that question. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I was like, wow. Um, I guess passion needs to come from the inside. I run the business based on a gut feeling and the, you know, the moment where I've got an absolute grin that is, you know, going up to my eyeballs where I'm just like, wow, can't believe that little sketch that I saw three months ago is that is what I'm looking at right now. Um, It's about, I think, also inspiring yourself, right? Um, I think we sometimes forget to fill our own cups because, you know, we are again, go, go, go. So going to, like, I love to travel these days. And for me, that gives me inspiration what others are doing. Much bigger scale, population, everything like that. Like, it's funny when a concert comes here, they just don't understand why it's quarter of the size of what they did in the US. <laughs> and I'm like, there are 25 million people yeah. in the whole country. country. 
And I'm like, that's what you have in one state, mm-hmm. you know, um, or one city in some countries, right? So, um, but it gives you inspiration, right? Um, and that then drives the passion. The fire starts burning again. And when the fire's burning, that's, I think, when the cool ideas come, the, the, the you know, the collaboration becomes even better. Do so, you do, do you do much in sport? Do um we we are starting to do a bit more um in in that space um we are about to go into we're big in the esports world um, right we had a client of course <laughs> we had a client uh, Microsoft Xbox that we worked through agency with in two thousand and eight you know um and ever since then we've kind of been able to work in that space um and really innovate you know I've seen esports go from a school hall with uh, four sixty inch TVs. Um, we are just about to do uh, three stadiums at wow. Melbourne Park. That's huge. Back to back stages um, and different gaming publishers on each stage. Um, it is cool. It is unreal. And again, what we do in Australia is minuscule to what happens in Europe or out of China with these games. You know, like they get half a million people tuning in. Wow. You know, the yeah. kids win something like $20 million or yep. million dollars in prize money. It is Nuts. another level. So it gives us inspiration, right? So um, for us, yeah, so we do a bit of stuff in, in sports and that's probably our main market um, that we play in. So cool. Love Excellent. about the future and stuff. And you mentioned um, you know, that you love to travel. Yep. Uh, are some of the inspirations around traveling going to an event that maybe you are part of in Australia but you want to see it in Europe or in the States or, or Asia so you can – see that you know that that variance of holy shit it's 10 times the amount of people or different processes is that something that you you take on absolutely absolutely for me i try to put work and travel together so i can claim it on tax (laughs) (laughs) am i allowed to say that (laughs) it's okay it's all for work it's all for work everybody that's inspiration um it's it's um about yeah getting getting to see how others do it Mm -hmm. just remember you know we have an idea in our head and until um, you know, I call it the blind spot, right? We all have a blind spot. So until we see it or someone points it out, yep. we don't know it, right? So sometimes when you do travel, when you go to see, even seeing other people's shows, right? Like going to theatre or, um, you know, just being being able to go into somebody else's show, you're like, wow, that's different. Didn't think about it that way. Correct. Yep. One it's of, picking the blind spot. And one of the reasons I ask that is because in the events world, I think it's so important. I, I do it. When I, when I go anywhere, I yep. want to see how other events are managed, produced, processes. You know, the nerd in me comes out with looking at the egress and, and all these little elements. But, yeah, I think it's so important for people in our industry to explore that, not just to have fun. I mean, you want to have fun and enjoy your, your travel, but, you know, pick up little uh, tips along the way. Little tips along the way. And that's what, you know, I always say, it's the one or two percenters mm. that change, right? Yeah, that's but, true. You don't have to go into a whole event and go, I need to change my event yeah. to be exactly like this or so forth. And I know I said to you the other week, Arosh, like, you know, I go to a theatre show now and I'm only allowed 10 minutes to analyse the thing. Yes. So, But it's like it's 10 minutes to sit there and kind of pick it apart and pick one or two things and, and have a look at it. And you just bank them over time yeah. and over time and over yeah. time. And then something will come up and a brief will come up and you go, oh, I remember I saw something. Or they did this the other day when I saw that yeah. and then you can actually apply it. And it's like going to a concert, right? You see yeah. a little element of, of a little setup and you're like, wow, that was cool. Mm-hmm. I could totally use that in a corporate event yep. because that's what the client just briefed. I strongly recommend you go see, if you haven't already, Tame Impala. Yes. You, 
as a tech <laughs> nerd would love, would love it. it. <laughs> it is oh, they're an amazing band as well. But yeah, no, you would love oh, look, it. Sure. it. Music has come such a long way, and we've seen you know in the last. I guess I've seen, especially in the last fifteen years, concert touring has just gone from you know something cool to do to it has now become such a big part of what an artist they actually earn more money concert touring than what they do in selling music now oh that's yeah. a no-brainer i think now yeah with with the way it's that, a lot of experience yeah, yeah. Where, I mean, you know, yeah it comes back to that experience economy and what people are trying to to you know they can sit around and you can put your radio on or your spotify on in your car and whatever yeah. and listen to your tune but if i can go to a gig with my mate yeah. and we can you know yell and scream and cheer and high five and hug and whatever and see that and breathe it and live and breathe that performance and and that environment um that, it's such a different experience and a better experience to have that's what we are finding that people are wanting experiences yeah. especially in the last 18 months um coming out of COVID, was people are just dying for experiences yeah. mm-hmm. and we've seen a lot of the events that we've done around that so you know if you were to map out to say okay cool where where was the biggest growth it was yes you can say concert touring but really it was people going Attending. out yeah to have experiences. We're, we're getting huge numbers. I mean, we talk about Melbourne, of course, we're here, but the number, the attending numbers are huge through yeah. the roof. And I, I, I imagine that's Australia-wide, really. Oh, it is. It's yeah. everywhere. Mm. Everything is selling out faster than yeah. you can blink, yeah. right? People are wanting to go out, um, you know. So you look at, like, even in March, the amount of concerts that were on with Ed Sheeran doing record numbers, right? But it was so cool to see and people were like, this is amazing. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, anyone who didn't go mm. um, was like, Oh my gosh, I have FOMO. Righto. Look, we could talk about this all day because because we, we all love it and it's great to see the passion. But uh, talking about passionate, mate, uh, we love to finish this off with uh, with Buzz's rapid fire questions. Oh, here so we go. Stand by, buckle in, and uh, hit him up, Buzz. All right, let's do this. You ready? Done. Okay, quick, rapid. Yeah. Favorite event that you've attended? Uh, Beyonce concert. Nice. Yes. Okay. What's the one thing that gets you motivated and moving when you're having a bad day? Uh. Flipping my head around and, and being positive. <laughs> Flipping your head around. Hang on, hang on. What, what does that mean? <laughs> you have two choices in life, right? You can be down and out yep. or you can be positive, right? So if you wor- keep worrying about it, it's going to stress the shit out of you or you can flip it, right, and use the positives to keep moving. I like it. That's good. Um, what's your best and worst trait or habit? Uh, I am not a details person. Worst trait ever. Best trait, I'm a big visionary. Yeah. Love to think of crazy shit and bring to life. That's a phenomenal answer. What scares you? In life. <laughs> what scares me? Um, that I'm not... Bre- breaking down two hours out of Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every day when I get a phone call. Um, what scares me? Um, that I'm probably not doing enough. Um, that there's always more to do. And I've just learned as I'm getting older that that's not the case. Mm. Um, okay, I love this question. You have three people coming to your place. Who are they and what music are you putting on? Oh, <laughs> uh, three people. Uh, I would love to have, um, uh, probably have, oh, that's a hard one, Shane. Come on. Uh, who am I going to have? I'm going to have Ed Sheeran, right? I'm going to have someone inspirational. Uh, who will it be? Uh, let's go with, um, I have, I, I'd love to listen to a guy called Ben Crow who's a mindset coach for Ash Barty. Um, wow. Love, love listening to him. If anyone's um, out there wanting a bit of mindset, you know, positivity, listen to Ben Crow. Um, and who's the third person? Uh, the third person's going to be, 
someone crazy. Um, <laughs> someone wild and crazy. Uh, I can't think of anyone now. Uh, but that those are the... Third one's always the hardest. I know, isn't people it? struggle. And yep. okay, you got Ed in the rooms, but what music are you playing? Just give him a guitar. Let him go. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> no, no, yeah. he's a guest. He's not there. No, he's a, he's a guest. He's a guest. It's all about the experience, right? And and sometimes people go, you know, if you're a chef, you just want to love to cook. But sometimes the chef actually likes to just sit, and relax, and do nothing yep. and eat somebody else's food. So, um, what am I going to play? I'm going to play something uh, upbeat, you know, cheery. Um, you know, almost cheesy. Yeah. Because that's that's like what an, life like is an eighties Spotify playlist. Yeah. Like a, like a there? Whitney Houston, there I wanna dance with somebody because you're <laughs> like, what the hell are we doing here? <laughs> Why are we here? <laughs> oh, good stuff. No, thanks for that. That's great. Last one. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? So much. So much. Um all right. Money will come and go. Don't make it the center of your life. I like it. That's deep too. I'm getting little really shivers good. here listening to it so and writing it down. No, that's good. It's, it's, it's been a big philosophical because for, for me, life has been a huge roller coaster. We didn't have much. I was an immigrant kid who came to Australia when I was nine years old from Sri Lanka. My dad passed away and um, it was really about, um, you know, we had nothing. So for me, the early stage and the early startup of, of the business was all about that. You, you mentioned the word hustle earlier. It was survival, mm. right? Wow. It was really survival. Um, then we've I've seen this business grow. Um, COVID happened. <laughs> realized that it could be gone tomorrow, right? So if we make that the center, you you lose the purpose and the passion that you have in life. Um, so yeah, sorry, getting real deep. No, no I, I, I love it, yeah. and I, I can see why you do. You, you, know, you mentioned that you do public speaking quite a lot. I can see it. Again, I love I mean, to inspire yeah. people and I love to take people. I talk, talked about that positivity and, you know, because we sometimes get in a bit of a rut and um, people call me the Duracell bunny because they, <laughs> they say I never die. Um, but it's about a, a, a choice that I'm constantly making to be positive, to be happy, to put a smile because if I'm smiling, you're going to smile because you're like, oh, that crazy guy smiling at me. Um, and that's going to make an impact, such a small impact, but it's going to make your day that little bit better. I love it. Yep. Jeez, I could go on all night, uh, as I've said a few times. But, uh, mate, thank you very, very much for You're joining us. Your, uh, your advice, your passion, uh, your innovation and, and everything you've shared with us has certainly been an insight. Um, and I know we've all learned something, or Buzz and I in particular, and hopefully everyone who's listening has as well. But uh, thank you very, very much again for, for sharing so much with us. And uh, we wish you all the best in the future and, uh, and everything uh, that you've got in front of you, I'm sure it'll be a huge success. Yeah, thanks, Arush. And before you go, I bought a new mixer yesterday, so you got to show me how to use that thing, all right? So before you go. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll show it to you. Boys, thank <laughs> you so much for having me. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure sharing uh, the little journey of mine um, and where we're going, so thank you. No, no worries. You're a huge inspiration. Congrats again and uh, look forward to chatting further. Thank you so much. Cheers. Thanks for listening to An Event for Life. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe to listen to more episodes. I'm Brad. And I'm Shane. And this podcast is produced by EOS Creative. See you next time on An Eventful Life.